Hey guys, lockdown, day 19, and I'm starting to feel a little philosophical. Today I did something so mundane and uninteresting, it'll make you want to claw your eyes out and stuff them into your ear cavities to avoid hearing it. But I feel that reporting my utterly boring day-to-day activities will make me seem relatable and human. Despite the fact that I'm a vacuous and attention-seeking celebrity with no more stage to perform on, and I'm so desperate to remain relevant and loved that I'll say pretty much anything to feed my now-starving, insatiable ego. (sighs) In fact, I'm so unself-aware that I actually think the fact that I'm good-looking or can sing a bit makes this privileged little peek into my daily routine utterly fascinating to you regular people. Look, I sit by a window. You sit by a window too. We're the same. You and I, we're exactly the same. Although, obviously, the window I sit by is, you know, a bay window in a fucking mansion, and you're definitely going to die way faster than I am in this epidemic. And now I'd like to give you an off-key rendition of Imagine by John Lennon. Imagine all... Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your very much work-in-progress host, Harv, and I hope you're feeling healthy and positive in the apocalypse that we now face. Is everything a little bit weird where you are? It's a bit weird where I am. Uh, I suppose, given I've got so many weird thoughts in my head most of the time anyway, The world has always seemed a little bit weird to me. And I guess we can all feel that now, can't we? The illusion of safety and control that we've had our whole lives has come crashing down overnight. And whether you broke that illusion early by being exposed to conspiracy culture or the truth movement or being in the inner circle of the way government and corporations work, or if you're just realizing it for the first time now, welcome to the new world. And no, not new world order or at least not yet, but a new world, no doubt, because the world can't really go back to how it was after all this, can it? It's a little bit scary, but most of all, it just feels weird. I hope you're dealing with it okay, keeping your elderly and most vulnerable safe, washing your hands, staying home, all that stuff, self-isolating, social distancing. We've got a whole bunch of new words for it now, haven't we? So that's nice. And I hope you're taking this opportunity to become a little introspective as well. Thinking about what's important, what it all means. I know I have. What are we going to do once the danger of this virus is just a memory? You know, we have a, a new world of possibilities. And if we're smart, we can use it to change some things that perhaps we've always felt we're a little wrong about the world. So it's not all downside. And so in this episode, I thought I'd take some time out to point out some positive things that I see happening through this whole experience and maybe some of the new ideas we might want to pick up and run with as the gears of civilization fire back up. So 
Let's have a look at a few positive stories from the apocalypse. 13 years ago, I wrote a book called The Shock Doctrine, The Rise of Disaster Capitalism. It described a brutal and recurring tactic by right-wing governments. After a shocking event, a war, coup, terrorist attack, market crash, or natural disaster, they exploit the public's disorientation, suspend democracy, push through radical free market policies that enrich the 1% at the expense of the poor and middle class. But here is what my research has taught me. Shocks and crises don't always go the shock doctrine path. In fact, it's possible for crisis to catalyze a kind of evolutionary leap. Do we believe that everybody should be entitled as a right to healthcare? Yeah! Do not stop organizing and fighting until all unhoused folks who want shelter have shelter. Canceling student debt. It makes so much sense that uh, if you're sick that you should not be penalized where you don't have an income. Many of these ideas were dismissed as too radical just a week ago. Now they're starting to seem like the only reasonable path to get out of this crisis and prevent future ones. All right, we'll get to all the feel-good stuff in good time, but let's first address the issue that you're most worried about in all of this, because it's the same thing that I'm most worried about, and that's Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon and the world's wealthiest man. What would we do without that little bug-eyed munchkin, eh? So you'll be happy to know old Bezos managed to get a little bit lucky in the apocalypse. He sold off just enough stock in Amazon to ensure he would maintain a small fortune if any kind of economic implosion were to happen, not that he had any foreknowledge of that. Uh, and just in the nick of time, eh? because uh, it was only a couple of weeks before the pandemic got really bad and the Amazon stocks started plummeting. So well done, well done, Jeffy. And I'm sure everyone's just as relieved as I am. Overall, he's up 3 or $4 billion last year or something like that. Uh, so he'll be able to feed his pets and spare a couple of scraps for himself, uh, maybe enjoy a brandy or a cigar once a week on his balcony. So don't worry about Jeff. Um, he's okay. But even so, let's not become complacent. Let's, let's pull together and uh, order something from Amazon just to make sure we really cement this little win for the behemoth. Um, let's do it now. Let's, let's just take a, a moment to go to Amazon and find something to buy. Maybe it doesn't really matter if you need it or not. Just order something, you know, like a, a trinket, that crystal vase you never wanted, uh, some new gadget that you'll never use but can impress your friends with. Amazon's got plenty of it. It's got anything you need. So don't think about the fact that Bezos was given special deals from postal services around the world so that they actually lose money every time they deliver one of his products. Just focus on saving Bezos. Let's do it together. I'll wait. Go. Bye. Save Bezos. All right, hopefully that gives you enough time to spend up big on Amazon. I've got a, a whole list of things here, so I think you know we'll just move on to the next one now that we've done some good together. Feels good though, doesn't it? Feels good to really contribute uh, to society and and um, really really help out someone in need. So um, I'm glad we did that, and uh, you know I certainly don't regret it. In fact, I would do it again. Let's do it again at some point. I mean, we should really 
probably do it every week. So the next one I had uh, that, that I thought was uh, an extremely positive story arising out of this coronavirus is that the virtue signalers of the world have found a way to really come together and form a united focus, and that's on quarantine shaming. Because to be honest, without quarantine shaming, I don't know where we would be. Um, certainly, I didn't know how bad it was to be going around making people sick uh, as as we enter flu season previously. Um, and this coronavirus was really necessary to show me that, to show me that you really shouldn't be going around sneezing directly into the backs of people's throats on the train or, you know, just basically spitting on your hand and then flicking it at people um, across the room in a business meeting. So um, thank you so much to all the virtue signalers out there who've been quarantine shaming me uh, on Facebook and social media. You have been great. You have been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, um, it's really good to be pulled up every time I, you know, ask a question designed to genuinely try to make sense of this kind of uh, nonsensical epidemic story that we've been given. And, you know, we're truly blessed to have the quarantine shamers there to back up the police. You know, those who are actually imbued with the power to, you know, police things and to show us all that so much as entertaining the idea that this whole lockdown scenario might be, you know, maybe a little bit of overkill actually means we hate our grandparents and want to kill them. That's not to say that they won't pull us up for, you know, using an incorrect gender pronoun or using the word spastic when we should be using sobriety challenged or something. Oh no, they'll remain ever vigilant for any other slip up we make. It's just now they have a higher mission and they've taken it on in addition to their current workload without complaint, without protest. And to be honest, they're the real heroes in this outbreak. What will we do without their incensed outrage and firm disapproval in response to cherry pick news stories, scientifically custom built to keep us in a constant state of anger and confusion and fear? How would we survive without being reminded every 10 minutes that each time we sniff in public, an entire old aged housing facility expires in a magical puff of smoke? So thanks, guys. I look forward to the next reminder of what a total fucking asshole you righteously assume I am. And you're the real heroes in this, not me. Um, well done. I applaud you. I applaud you. Well done. Got you, Sinellas. And we finally, finally have access to celebrities on a full-time basis and get a secret little glimpse into their meager homes and their hearts. You've got Amazing, generous, and wonderful women like Gal Gadot leading her fellow celebrity friends in song to uplift our spirits when it's so, so badly needed. It's not like we could possibly do it in any other way, like a nice game of backgammon with the old man or playing with our children or pets or listening to music. Well, they make the music. Let's face it anyway. We need celebrities to be the source of all entertainment, and they generously give it to us in service to us and us alone, and definitely not their massive egos born out of crippling insecurities. 
Uh, It's all for us in our time of need. They invite us into their homes, their hearts, and give us the gift of even a fleeting glimpse into their glamorous, perfect skin and hair and glistening eyes, and of course, their angelic voices in some very generous cases. Some even dance for us. They dance. It's just so uplifting and amazing in a way that nothing else really can uplift or amaze. I mean, watching a puppy eat cookie dough for the first time? Fuck off, puppy. I can watch Gal Gadot and her smarmy, self-righteous, I'm so beautiful it makes your tummy hurt, smile, and listen to a murderous song that attempts to imagine a better world for the underprivileged, but just ends up being a disgusting elitist message when spewed from the demonic mouths of the privileged trust fund class who did nothing to earn their wealth and rule over us. So very inspiringly, though. And not just Gal, but all of them. Sia. Wow, Sia. She just gave her everything, didn't she? Kirsten Wig. She's a comedian. Mark Ruffalo taking time out of a busy schedule, playing a big, dumb, beloved CGI character in the Marvel movies. Uh, that dude that played, I think it was Cyclops or something in the original X-Men. Um, the ugly one from Bridesmaids. Thank you. Uh, Cardi B. Was Cardi B in there somewhere? I assume, assume she was in there somewhere. She's in everything. I just want to thank you all for giving so much of your your talent and your love to us untalented, unloved, desperate masses who just can't do without you. I mean, what you gave us was so very powerful. The only thing that would have made it better would have been the presence of Gwyneth Paltrow. I fucking love how they just completely skip part of the song. <laughs> There's just a part of the song right here that's completely missing. <laughs> I wonder if there was like a celebrity who like try who like they asked to do it and he didn't get it in on time, so it's just like, oh fuck, let's just put it up, I guess. <laughs> we gotta save everyone. Hurry, hurry, put it out. Not to mention all the generous charity work that they're doing now. Have you seen this? They're calling it the all-in challenge or something to fight hunger in the COVID-19 unnecessary lockdown. They're giving us, yes. Us regular people, the chance to actually be in their presence (sighs) or in some cases be driven around briefly in their fancy cars or be unpaid extras in the background of their movies if we just donate our rapidly depleting funds to fight hunger in COVID-19 and the lockdown. Of course, they're not donating anything themselves. What they're doing is giving us the privilege and joy of being within smelling distance of their celebrity assholes. And that's how it should be, even though they are rich and could probably solve world hunger and homelessness uh, alone just by selling off one of their castles or mansions or whatever. I don't know about you, but I've gone ahead and donated my entire two and a half weeks worth of living expenses I had in savings because I want to play golf with Bill Murray. Imagine it, me and Bill Murray and Justin Timberlake playing golf and laughing and joking with each other. How very charmed I would be. How very charmed indeed. Sport was cancelled, wasn't it? 
And while to the majority of almost all men everywhere, having all sports events cancelled might seem like the worst possible thing that could ever happen anytime, anywhere, because it denies them the opportunity to remain in a state of constant, almost hypnotized emotional detachment and unavailability to their family and friends and forces them to be present and productive in their lives. Admittedly, yes, times are very tough when you no longer have an opportunity to ignore your children while gaining dopamine, producing feelings of achievement based on doing absolutely nothing but sitting on a couch munching chips and farting from your cancer-infested butthole. But bear with me because there's an upside here. Maybe now that your 80-inch flat screen is no longer populated with images of men in short shorts risking injury tackling each other and playing with balls and pretending that moving a ball from one location to another is a meaningful achievement well worth the months of training that they have to go through to get there, you could turn your head slightly and realize you're living alongside real people in the real world who love you, miss you, and wouldn't mind a bit of your attention since you now have the time you used to waste on pointless impactless sporting events forcibly reclaimed in your life. All you need to do is channel this newfound time and energy into something more positive and you'll find your life more fulfilled and joyful. I know you can do it, man. Just get there. And completely unrelated, it appears Chatterbait is doing great guns in the apocalypse, always at the mercy of exhibitionist shortages or religious anti-masturbation groups, Chatterbait is now really well populated and we can be secure in the knowledge that this essential service will not be succumbing to negative market forces in the near future. I mean, sure, a lot of what I've seen in there violates social distancing rules, but damn it if it ain't the most entertaining flouting of government mandated rights trampling I've ever seen. So well done, Chatterbait. Thank you for rising to the challenge of providing masturbation spank bank material for audiences worldwide. And I don't understand you, but I sure do love you. And last, but definitely not least, in fact, probably most, Bill Gates, old Gatesy. He's finally getting the recognition he deserves for his selfless contributions to the planet and this species here we like to call humanity. Hasn't it been an amazing time for Bill Gates to shine, eh? After years of selfless dedication to the sick and underprivileged, he's finally got a real invisible enemy to fight. And man, has he stepped up to the plate. His, well, I can't think of any other way to describe it, but angelic. His angelic actions in combating this virus by funding the level four biofacility it escaped from and quickly developing a life-saving tracking device, the ID2020 quantum dot tattoo that can be used to certify our absolutely essential vaccination from a disease that causes less than the sniffles in 90% of cases and wouldn't have even been noticed in the statistics of most countries if the media hadn't given it a name and a story and whipped us all up into a frenzy. A frenzy that was contributed to by Gatesy himself, along with John Hopkins and the World Health Organization in the form of a mock exercise event 201, which imagined a coronavirus outbreak and how unelected governing bodies would manipulate the people into compliance through controlling the narrative. I mean, if Gatesy doesn't get a Medal of Honor, a knighthood, and at least two Nobel Peace Prizes for his role in this, I'll have to declare those noble institutions as shams. And I don't want to do that because they are definitely not shams. And if you think they are, you're an enemy of humanity. 
I'm just glad to have Gatesy's little Kermit voice speaking out and influencing global policy about medical science, even though he dropped out of Harvard after two years and wasn't even studying medicine, but law, mathematics, and computer science, because early bullying made him able to relate to the certainty of computers better than the uncertainty and cruelty of people in the real world. But we need someone like Gates at the helm in a time of need like this, because his training as a privileged kid, son of a known eugenicist, Bill Gates II, allows him to make the hard statistical decisions about population, health, and standards of living that the actual elected politicians who are reliant on the voting public to remain in power could never make. I mean, this divine genius gave us DOS, DOS people, and later Windows. And he was a programming genius. So why not let him guide us through this medical crisis in an area he's completely untrained because he's accumulated enough wealth to become one of the most powerful men in the world? I mean, he made money, people. So if you can't see how that qualifies him for this, I can't really help you. Branding us like cattle is a great start, but I can't wait to see what awesome stuff this genius comes up with next. Eventually, what we'll have to have is certificates of who's a recovered person, who's a vaccinated person, because you don't want people moving around the world where you'll have some countries that won't have it under control. Sadly, you don't want to completely block off the ability for those you know, people to go there and come back and move around. So eventually there will be sort of this digital uh, immunity proof uh, that you know, will help facilitate the global reopening up. I don't mean to fearmonger or confuse anyone. You know, I'm really just having a bit of fun in this extremely weird time that we're living through. I don't know what the future holds or whether all these conspiracy theories will come to fruition. Maybe the government will do the right thing. We'll get back to normal quite quickly and it'll become a memory. The truth is I'm quite optimistic about all this and I see massive upheaval of our normal lives as a kind of opportunity. If the financial system and our social interactions can't go back to business as usual once this is all over, then that means what we were doing before, those stories we accepted as normal and inevitable parts of life, we'll have to replace some of those with something new. And if we're smart, the something new can be of our choosing and not the powers that be. This uh this might be the last episode of Narratively Speaking, at least for a while. It's episode 40, which seems like a nice round number to rest on for a while. And honestly, some of you know I've been struggling to put out episodes uh, and the gap between them has got wider and wider. And I have a few big projects in the pipeline that are going to require my focused attention to come to fruition in the next few months. Plus, to be honest, I think I've said all I want to say for now. Don't get me wrong, I still have Trello boards full of ideas and uh, links, and some of those ideas need to be expressed, but I think they need to be packaged a little bit differently. I'm thinking what I'll do is I'll go back and find sound bites from previous episodes for a while and make short, short videos from those. And I'll share those out, and I hope you reshare them as well. Um, I may put out mini episodes as thoughts crop up. I'm not planning to stop. I just uh, want time to revamp the show a little and 
let it breathe in new ways, new formats. I started this podcast because I want to live in a world where the stories that keep us trapped, that make us feel small and powerless, the stories that create division and war and death, the stories that incentivize us to act on the worst instincts of our humanity instead of living out our infinite potential for love and peace and creativity. I want to live in a world where those stories don't work anymore, where we remain determined to live our lives in defiance of the messages we're given by those that control the narrative. And I think, quite honestly, this COVID-19 coronavirus lockdown might be our ultimate test. But you don't need me to clumsily stumble through it with you anymore. If you've been listening to this show over the past couple of years, I'm hoping that at least I've shown you that it's okay to think outside the box. It's healthy to challenge the official narratives. And at a minimum, there's at least one person out there who won't judge you for being an outlier. It's time for you to step up and create something, create some media, paint a picture, hell, make latte coffee art or tie together some old shoelaces and, and glue them into something. I don't care. Just do something that speaks to you. And if you like, send it to me and I'll reshare it. If you believe in this lockdown and what the government's doing, express it. If you think the virus isn't real, if you think viruses themselves aren't even real, then express that. And if you think 5G is some alien technology shooting laser beams into our brains to inhibit us from astro projecting, fucking say that. I'll listen, even if I don't end up believing the same things as you. And I just want to end this episode with a quote by Kitty O'Meara. You may have heard it already as it's been going around doing the social media rounds, but I think it's the most uh, beautiful expression of hope that I've heard in these crazy times. And if it so happens that I never pick up the microphone again and record another episode, I can't think of better last words on which to end the show. So here we go. I hope I can <laughs> say it without my voice cracking. <sighs> and the people stayed home and read books and listened, and rested, and exercised, and, and made art, and played games, and learned new ways of being, and was still, and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced. Some met their shadows, and the people began to think differently, and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses. and made new choices, and dreamed new images, and created new ways to live, 
and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. 